0: All I want for Christmas is a firm foundation, our topic today. I want to start out with a historic lesson. Um, Not about Germany. (laughs) September 13, 1783, the foundation of one of the most important and probably most course-directing buildings um, of this nation, of the United States, was built. And in this picture here, You see George Washington, President George Washington, laying the cornerstone of this building, a building that would be a symbol for the American people and government, and the home of the U.S. Congress, the seat of legislative branch of the U.S. federal government, and a life-directing building or decision-making building, for our nation, probably one of the most important buildings when it comes to decision-making here in the United States. And the building, of course, is the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. And no, I'm not going to talk about politics today. I'm not here to talk about politics. And if you read my email on Wednesday, you probably read also that I am, in some part, not always, but sometimes, I'm just tired off. Tired off the politics, tired off the bad news, tired off of all those things are happening, um, all the quarreling that is going on, who is offended by whom right now. Um, if you want something, you don't say please anymore. You say, I'm offended, and then you get it. Um, <laughs> morals are shifting, cultures are clashing, um, opinions, um, you have to be careful so that you don't offend someone and so on. I don't want to talk about politics. I want to talk today about what is a firm foundation in a world that seems to have lost its footing, in a world where there is chaos, where we don't know anymore what is this main firm foundation, Um, in a world where not just politics is a problem. um, In general, there is hopelessness, there is fear, there is loneliness, there is anxiety, there is depression, and while there are several reasons for depression, many issues come back to disconnectedness also. Um, hence, we had the sermon last week on deeper connections, where we look for connections. What struck me this week was also mental illnesses um, are on the rising last uh, month or a couple of weeks ago. A uh, couple of our staff, we were at the Suicide Prevention Seminar I was provided by the BIC Atlantic Conference. And um, while we were there, we were listening to all the statistics and what we can do and need to do. And then just last Friday, as I was wrapping up my sermon preparations, I heard um, on WJAL um, the news report and that confirmed what I had found also on the Internet, that in the past 20 years, the suicide rate has actually raised, increased by 30%. 30% more suicides in the last 20 years since 1999, and that is insane. What is even more insane is when you look at this list here, um, affected people groups. Um, If you look at number three, LGBT community, there's um, confusion, hurt. A lot of times they don't know exactly what would be a healthy solution for living together, Um, military personnel, PTSD, loss, loneliness, lack of purpose sometimes when they get out of the military. But then what shocked me was college students. That is on top of the list. College students, failure, um, fear of the future, no direction, disconnectedness. And uh, it is alarming to uh, to look at that. And I want to make clear here If you are struggling with depression, if you are struggling with suicidal thoughts, there's no shame in asking for help. I know that's a steep entrance into a sermon, and I'm going to go into other parts too, but I want to throw this out. There is no shame in asking. I know we Christians, we uh, we tend to say Christ is enough. And while Christ is the key for everything that we do and everything that we need— We also need to recognize that every once in a while we need someone who helps us. Um, Every once in a while we need someone we need to talk to. Let that be a counselor. Let that be a crisis hotline. And here's the number on the screen, 800-273-TALK or uh, 8255. Let Let it be a pastor. Let it be a prayer partner you're not alone. Don't do it alone. I want to put that out there right away at the beginning of our sermon, um, of our time together. Help is out there. Look for it. If you're struggling with some issue, then please look for help. I know it's a deep and steep entrance into a sermon, And I want to zoom out a little bit. I want to look at the whole thing now a little bit more. What is this firm foundation that we need? What is this basis that we can stand on in our society, in our life? What is this foundation in a world that seems to have lost its footing? Uh, All I want for Christmas is this firm foundation. And I want to start out with what it is not. I think when you look at the leadership up top in, the, in uh, Washington, D.C., it is not the leadership in D.C. because the simple fact that every four to eight years, leadership shifts and the whole apparatus shifts and new people come in over a lifetime. If you talk to someone who has been around a couple years and a couple of decades, There's shifts, there's movement, and and so on, and I think we can safely say, if you want something constant, then the top leadership is not it. There's some good to it, but at the same time, it's not that main firm foundation that we need. Could money be it? I would say, yes, money can help, money can give us a peace of mind sometimes, but when is the next point where we want something new, want something bigger? When is the point where we struggle with money? When, when is that point? Sometimes that money is not our firm foundation. And I've read over and over stories where people that had been rich, that had made a lot of money, at some point lost it or misused it or something like that. It is not a firm foundation. It is good to have it, and I love money too, but at the same time, it is not our firm foundation. Can health and beauty be it? At some point, both will fade. And I had to write down, a simple flu can make you feel pretty ugly too. <laughs> Science also falls short as a firm foundation in our society, since it only focuses on the evidence that is there, that is visible, the things that I can prove. But what about those things that we can't see? The unseen world, and the unseen world might not be so much in our minds, but go to the mission field and I tell you it is very much the part of our life. The unseen world, maybe even black magic and dark magic and stuff like that. I've had to talk to people that were struggling with that. Or look at society. Right and wrong, acceptable behavior, social standards, topics like abortion, definition of marriage, who gets to decide? The society, humankind, has taken God out of the equation and has put humans in charge of making these decisions and determining what is right. But there is a great danger with that. What if humankind determines wrong? What is a firm foundation? By the way, the church is not a firm foundation either. You might like the church. The church is a good place where you go to Sunday school and where you go, drop off your children and can listen to um, a sermon and stuff like that. It is nice. But what at some point they change the worship style or we get a new pastor? Hint, hint. You know, all of a sudden that might be a place where you're like, well, that was not how it was before and you feel a little bit uncomfortable, or sometimes there is a situation where you're like, "Mm, I'm not sure if this is my church anymore, or you have to move because of work or something like that, and then you look for a different church. The church here all of a sudden is not your church anymore, and that foundation fails. Now, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that all these things are to be discarded or they're bad or something like that. That's not what I'm saying. That is all good stuff. We need politics. We need the money. We want our health. We, we need the church. We need someone to determine what's going on. But is it our firm foundation, our foundation for life, where we can place everything on our entire life, our hope, our trust, our truth? Is it that firm foundation? What is this firm foundation? In the Old Testament, Isaiah talks about God laying a foundation in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone, a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on, and whoever believes need never be shaken. This is the same prophet that says a baby will be born by a virgin, And he says, then, for this child is born to us, a son is given to us, a government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, his government, and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. First Corinthians reminds us that no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is laid already, which is Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 2:20 says, "We Christians are His house, built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ. Before I became a pastor, I worked in construction for six years. I'm a certified carpenter in Germany. And uh, one of the things that I learned in classes when I went to school for that was that little stone, this little piece that that we call cornerstone, here I brought a brick along and we will need that a little bit later, the first stone that is being set down in the foundation, in the hole that was dug, is the cornerstone and from that stone everything is measured, From that stone, you start measuring over there however long the building will be, however deep the building will be, however high the building will be. You level from here and make sure that the house is level and that it's not crooked. From here, you determine where is the first slab, the first concrete slab. That is the cornerstone from which everything is measured, the distance of everything. And for us Christians, Jesus Christ is this cornerstone. And it intrigues me that uh, Paul says here, we Christians are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. You see, the apostles and the prophets, they are key people. When you look at the the prophets, they always pointed forward, forward to Jesus. They always looked to Jesus. You know, Israelites, you are messed up, uh, or you have messed up, sometimes both, you know. But look to Jesus. In the future, there will be one person coming, the Messiah, and he will help you, he will heal you, he will save you. When you look at the apostles, they always look back towards Jesus and say, hey, listen, there was this one guy. He lived, he worked, and he died on the cross for you, found everything, put everything in him. He is the Messiah. He is the firm foundation. He is the one we should be trusting in. You might be saying now, well, that sounds good, and I know that already. I've learned that in Sunday school. How does that look practically? What what does that mean for us now, here, and today? First of all, I want to say that Jesus is our hope foundation. He is our hope foundation in a world where everything changes, in a world where new regulations come out. He is our hope foundation. We can look forward to something to someone, to living with someone who has established something, some reign, some some place where we can live, long time ago. All these changes here in our uh, world can make us nervous. If you read that email that we sent out on Wednesday, you read also that I want also a truck, like Corby, I want some cowboy boots, and I want, I would like on my wish list, um, U.S. citizenship. I'm not a U.S. citizen yet, I have the green card. Um, but I have to say it, it honestly makes me a little bit nervous listening into the news that is going on every once in a while with all those things changing and so on. The green card process was already a long process. It took us about two years to get all those paper, papers in order and waiting and then interviews. And by the time we got our permit to come here to the United States with the green card, about two years. Cost us about $2,000 just to get the green card. Now, the um, U.S. citizen process is another process that I, have, I would have to go through. Um, and just last week, I heard that the price for that process might, continue, uh, might double in the future. I don't know exactly what the price will be. I hope it's not quite there where the green card process was. But that makes for an uncertain... Um, future for us with the citizenship and so on and while I'm confident that God will be able to provide and organize all those things I am so glad that I don't have to worry about my citizenship in heaven the citizenship process in heaven has been established with the first Christmas when Jesus Christ was born God put something into motion That would be then the citizenship process for us, and we will be citizens of heaven if we belong to Him. Let me read a text from Ephesians. Just before Paul mentions that Jesus is the cornerstone, he says, God brought His good news of peace to you. All of us who can come to the Father, all of us can come to the Father through the Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. You are no longer strangers and foreigners, you are citizens, heavenly citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. <laughs> How is the process? Fairly simple. Mark 16:16 16, 16 says, believe and be baptized and you are saved. What is the cost? Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Jesus paid it all. It is free. It is a gift from God through the works of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that citizenship process is a little bit easier, I would say, right? Not less expensive. Jesus paid it, and it was very expensive for Him. But there is a hope for me that at some point, if I will become a U.S. citizenship or not, I don't know. We will see. Lord willing i will i hope one day that will be the case but i do know that through jesus christ i have a hope and a citizenship far beyond that and that citizenship no one can take away from me my firm foundation my hope foundation is in jesus christ but then um we might ask so what does that mean now here for my life here on earth the trust foundation i call it um you know, it's, it's interesting. What is something that the society, our society, what we trust in? Who do we trust in? What do we trust in? One of the things that intrigues me if with the U.S. culture, and it's a stark contrast to the Ecuadorian culture that I come from um, or have lived in for 10 years, is insurances. Last week I learned that there's actually something called a burnout insurance. If you burn out and can't work anymore, that one kicks in. It's an insurance, an official insurance. And while there's nothing wrong with insurances, and we do need insurances, where do we put our trust in? Do we put our trust in the insurance that it covers, and when it drops us, then what? Or do we put our trust in God? I was reminded of Paul when he was in Athens, and he was walking around and seeing all these different gods, And in the end, what all these different gods were was kind of an insurance. I would pray to this god because that god would give me safe travels. This god would give me fruitful harvest. That god would give me this. I would offer things like that to all different kinds of gods. And just to be sure that we covered everything, they even put one god to the unknown god. It's kind of the just-in-case insurance, I call it. Maybe someone comes up with that just-in-case insurance already. You know, um, where do we put our trust in, when something happens, when we don't know what to do? I don't know if you've heard of Horatio Stafford. He lost his house, his business and several investments in the Great Chicago Fire in the 1800s. And his wife and children went back to England, and at some point he learns that there was a, um, a crash. Two ships collided, the one sank, and all his children passed away. His wife was the only survivor of the family. And as um, Horatius Stafford then boards a ship and goes to England to see his wife, as he passes over this spot where his children drowned, he pens the following song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot... Thou hast has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Where do we have our trust in? Do we trust in this Jesus Christ, who is the good shepherd, or do we trust in the next insurance or in the next procedure or in our job or in other things? Who do we trust in? What do we trust in? A third foundation I want to mention is also the truth foundation. I had to look up the name in Germany, I know what the name means, or what it is, but here in the States it is gauger. I don't know if you've heard of, you have heard of gauges, but there was actually a profession called gauger. Those gaugers, for example, had a yardstick, and this is uh, German engineering here, so I could put it in my pocket, but what they basically would do, they would go with their main yardstick To the market, for example, and see if the person selling fabric would have the same length yardstick. If the yardstick of that salesman was shorter, then the person was selling less fabric for the same price, in other words, that person was cheating. That gauger made sure that with his master yardstick, he would look into the other things that they they measure up to what is important. And Jesus wants to be and has to be our yardstick here um, in our life. The Bible is pretty clear about living together as husband and wife. It's pretty clear about how to live in a lead an organization. It is pretty clear about identity, who we identify with. Um, Our identity does not come from job, family, or family status or gender preference. Our identity comes from a relationship with God. If we are His, we are His children, and God wants to have all know Him and, and uh, be saved. Jesus at some point um, preached a sermon, and um, He finished the Sermon on the Mount with a story that we know maybe from the Sunday school. I just want to read those verses real quick. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows this follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes and the floodwaters rise, the winds beat against that house. It won't collapse collapse because it is built on a rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey is a foolish is a foolish, um, like a person who builds his house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse collapse and. Uh, with a mighty crash. If we want to have a firm foundation in our life, we need to have Jesus as our hope foundation. We need to have Jesus as our trust foundation. And we need to have Jesus as our truth foundation. What I want you to do this Christmas is put one of those under your Christmas tree. I know it's a little bit odd, but do it. And every time you see that brick... Be reminded, not of this sermon, I don't care if you remember me up here, but be reminded of Jesus Christ being the cornerstone of our life. As we sing the last song now, I want to invite you, if you have something in your life where you have lost this footing, where you are in a position where you know you need this firm foundation, reassured. um, As we sing the last song, the prayer team will come up front, And I want to invite you that you also come up front, have someone pray for you. If you have never trusted Jesus as that firm foundation in your life, come up front, talk to one of us, and we are glad to show you how that citizenship process for heaven works. We want everyone, we want you, I want you to have this firm foundation in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.